welcome to Employee of the Month. Here's your host, Katie Lazarus. Hi, welcome back to Employee of the Month. I'm very, very excited because we are now going to be a weekly um, show on Sirius, but you can also just subscribe on iTunes for free and tune in every week and download a new episode. This one is with Mike Kaplan, who is a hilarious comedian, although I could just say he's a good... Sometimes, when, just so you know, when comedians do that, it's because a lot of comedians are not. Although I would say when you say that, it usually means that they might not be hilarious. But in this case, I promise it's true. Now you're not going to believe me, which means you're just going to have to go to his website, Mike Kaplan, and find out for yourself. And then you'll see that I was being honest. He really is. You may have seen him on Live at Gotham, probably more likely on Last Comic Standing, and he was on The Tonight Show and ABC News Now. Don't know how funny you can be on that, but maybe he was. Um, Mike's also, a lot of times, he's a frequent guest on Keith and the Girl, which is another podcast for um, diehard podcast listeners. And he has his own one now as well. He just released a new comedy album with Micah Sherman. And despite being a vegan, and I do mean that in earnest, um, he's a lovely human being. I genuinely adore Mike, and I hope that you will as well. Uh, either way, let us know. Let me know. You don't need to let him know. He doesn't really need to be bothered with that. You can let me know what you thought about the podcast. Uh, show.com. That pause right there was because my dog is doing something that's not inappropriate. It's an important thing to do on your own in the privacy of your own room. I'm just not sure if we're supposed to have that talk yet, but maybe we are. Uh, without further ado, here's my interview with Mr. Mike Kaplan. Welcome back to Employee of the Month. I'm very excited to be here with Mick Kaplan. My name's Mike. No, your name right now is Mick. Okay, I'm sorry. <sighs> We're going to have to start this all over. Okay. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm really kidding. I want to mess it up and I can't now. I understand. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm very excited to be here with John Kaplan. Hello. My name is Mike. Okay, let's we'll do it again. Okay. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm very excited to be here with Arthur Kaplan. It is not my name, but it is, <laughs> it is exciting to be here. You were right about that part. You were definitely right. So, Mike, you won the 2005 Funniest Student Award at Boston College? Boston University. Okay, let's do that again. Okay. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm here with Mike Kaplan. Mike. Yes. I wanted you to correct me and say, actually, my name is Mick. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't do that. We've been, hopefully all of these takes will be in it. <laughs> okay, is this the whole show? Otherwise it won't make any sense at all. Yeah. Um, I just think it's funny when someone's on, on a show and their name gets botched and you're like, that's the easiest thing for you to learn. I mean, it might not be the easiest, but it seems like the most respectful yes. or, you know, the it, it is the least that you could do is learn the name of the person that it, you're talking to. It becomes the, it becomes offensive when it didn't need to be. It's unnecessarily yeah. Irritating. Unless it's yeah, unless it's done on purpose, like like you were doing before in the takes that didn't make it in. Didn't speaking make it in. Of, speaking of which, Arthur. Um, so you won the two thousand five funniest student award from Boston University. It's Boston College, actually. Uh this time uh, I gotcha. Uh yes, it was Boston University. And uh, yeah, there was which is bigger. It's way I think it's way bigger than Boston College. So like the joke that I used to tell about it is that of all the 32,000 people at the school, I was the funniest of the 11 that were in the contest. So it does uh, seem a little bit like going to BU is a little bit like just getting an apartment in Boston. Is that oh, a it's fair? It's very much like that. 
uh, I that is what I, I lived in an apartment in Boston, and uh, I was a resident assistant at BU, but I lived in like a brownstone in the Kenmore Square area. Oh, nice. It was really nice. Did you go to African dance? I used to go to African dance. At, uh, I don't believe I did. I don't. I'm not a big dancer. I just well, but you do acapella. Yes, I have done that. And you like Ani DeFranco. Yes, and I definitely see where you'd get African dance from that. I was just projecting all of my college interests onto you. Took yoga once. Took yoga for gym class. And you're a vegan. I am. Didn't like yoga, though. It's difficult. I feel like out of all of these things, being a vegan would be the most challenging. Nope. Yoga was harder. Even when you're in a because being country? a vegan, oh, I've I haven't been to tons of. I've been to Canada is the main other country that I've not been to. Use that as the one example of the country you've been to outside. Uh, of the those state. are the uh, that's the other country that I've been to. So it's the only example I had. But I don't actually no. I've been to Rome. I was in Rome, Italy, and eating being vegan there was actually considerably easy. I was is that right? Well, because they just they grow vegetables like right there. You know, like yes. in in that beautiful climate and agricultural whatever they have. And right next to the animals, next to them, yeah, sure, but not. Uh, but you can't have eggs or dairy, right? I mean, can't. I don't. Yes, that is correct. But uh, no there's n- not all. There's non-dairy. There's like sorbetto. Uh, nice. And there's probably some. Non- I know there's some non-dairy gelatos out there. But there's the the Jewish ghetto part of Rome. Yes, I went. Yeah. Where if you go into a place like there's some places that don't have meat, and there's some places that don't have dairy. So if you go into a place that doesn't have dairy then anything that you have that's not meat is most likely vegan. You just check for eggs. I feel eggs. like that same analogy could be made here. Like we didn't need Rome in that picture and we certainly didn't need the, the well, Jewish kosher element. Uh, no, no, the Jewish kosher ele- element. Is the most important because the, the separation of the milk. Right, eggs. like you could, like that, you go there. In other places, you would go in and be like, hey, what do you have here that doesn't have dairy in it? And most places don't have that. Did it have honey in it? Uh, the land of milk and honey. Is it Italy, the land of milk? And no, honey? I think it's Israel. Yeah, I but was the just Jewish ghetto my part of it. Knowledge of oh, yeah. Israel and, and Judaism. Those are two of the five countries in the world that start with I. Nope, no, they're not. Uh, I mean, they do, do start with I, but there could be more. And you less. were in in Canada to perform at the Montreal Comedy Festival. Ah, uh, yeah, just for laughs. Just for laughs. I was. Je peux rire. I was there. Juste, juste pour rire. Juste, juste, juste pour rire. That does almost sounds like you're saying juice for laughing, which is also funny. Juice. I think just. Just? No, it's not just. Yeah, I believe it is. Je peux rire. J-U-S-T-E. No, it's J-U-S. Je peux rire. That is, J-U-S is juice. Je peux rire. Uh, no, there's definitely. Just peux rire. I'm, I'm nearly positive. Here's, Je peux rire. I don't know if this was on my Wikipedia page when you did research, but I did win. Uh, I came in like third in the nation in high school on the national French exam when I was like 15 or so. C'est vrai? C'est vrai. On peut parler en français? On peut. On peut faire... Uh, I was really great at it in high school is what I'm saying. <laughs> Yet you were correcting me now. Uh, I have a good memory about high school and that word. Specific- uh, actually, that's not, a, that's not a memory from high school that I was correcting you about. I was correcting you because I was there this summer and I read the word a lot. I think. So you went back to Montreal this summer. I was there 2012. Okay, okay so, so break it down. So 2005, was that a big breakout year for you at college? Uh, it was. I'd, I'd say I started doing comedy around 2002, and then 2005, 2006 is when things. I mean, it's all it's all been very gradual, but there were definitely steps that started. It's not that long ago. Uh, I guess it isn't. You're right. I'm, 
But so in 2002, where were you in life? I was in grad school in Boston at Boston University. Okay. I was not yet the funniest student. And you were studying? Linguistics. And how to be the funniest student. I was hoping to, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's not something you really can study. It's just who you are. It's just who you become. But, uh, yeah, and then I start. I was. I had been performing music around town. Yeah, tell me about that. What was the sort of music with Mr. Napkins? No, I. We knew he went to my school as well, but we okay. were not close. MC Mr. Napkins, who is very, cl- we are very close friends now. Uh, he is a comedic rapper. At the time, he was. I guess he. He's, he was he's just been a rapper. rapper. Yeah, he, he was. He was a non-comedic. He was a comedian. He was in a sketch comedy group called the Late Night Players. And he also did like solo rap since he was a child. Like he was on a, a VH1 white rappers show. Uh, and he then when his group broke up, he then turned to. I feel to, like that's a punchline in and of itself, yet he's really talented. So oh, he I is. feel bad saying that. And oh, no. Yet being on a if that was white all he rapper done, show on VH1. Oh, sure. That, that was way, way earlier. That's amusing, right? He has also been to the Montreal comedy that just for the just for Je peux rire. And we were there at the same time in 2009, and then he he put out an album of comedy rap with Comedy Central Records. So uh, he's doing and okay. And you had your album in 2010. Uh yeah, my first my stand up album, Vegan Mind Melt, came out in 2010, and that was recorded at Comics. It was. Comics I was there in New York City. Were you? Yes. Oh wow! Thank you for coming. You're welcome. I don't remember. I know. I'm sorry. That's all right. We, I ha- we I weren't had a- friends yet, were we? Were we friends? No, but this is even pre-Facebook a are little we, bit. Are we friends now? I would consider you actually a, a friend and yeah. not even almost... A good friend? Yeah. Yeah, we're good friends. I think you're lovely. Yeah, same. Um, But I had a weekly show at Comics then, mm. obviously a huge show. And uh, no, it really was, to be genuinely mm. honest. And I had tons of comedians on it, David Tell and Louis C.K. And, Never heard of them. Um, I'm excited now that I'm having you on this show, much more important. I am also excited to be here. But can you just walk me through some things? Can we just walk backwards? Let's walk backwards. It's hard to walk and talk at the same time. You're right. Especially in an audio booth. And backwards. There's a back of my chair behind me. These are all challenges. It's difficult. So did you know you wanted to be a comedian growing up? No, I didn't know anything about it. So what, what were you, like, tell me about you as a little kid. Like, what were you into? Uh, math. I liked math a lot. So my parents or my grandparents, everybody was like, you should be an accountant, you know, like a, a standard cu- cultural Jewish upbringing of like, you could be a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant. Like those were the, the main choices thrust in front of me. Everyone's smart enough that they know not to be like, you should be a mathist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or a teacher is actually, my parents were both teachers and my grandfather was a teacher. Where are they from? New Jersey. That sounds exciting. My I'm dad kidding. was from New York. But, okay. Uh, Queens. He was like, the hot guy from the city who came oh, to the suburbs. Should yeah. I not describe your dad as hot? Is that uncomfortable? Uh, no, you could describe him as hot, but I just don't think that was an accurate depiction of, okay. of the way his <laughs> life went. <laughs> I mean, he could have been hot. I mean, he was a, he's a good-looking guy. Uh, but my, my he and my mom met at NYU in college. Okay. Where they were both music majors and then got married while still in college, I believe. What kind of music did they play or sing? Or My mom mainly played – she played like trombone and a bunch of other – brass instruments. Awesome. She now teaches piano lessons privately. My dad growing up, he taught clarinet, saxophone and flute lessons in our home and he was a high school band director. My mom That's taught so cool. elementary school music. Yeah, so they uh they did there was a lot of music. No stuff. wonder you did so much in music. Oh yeah, I mean I was I played the violin since I was 4. That was my main uh the thing that I hated wow. growing up. Uh but then I I taught myself guitar in when I was in high school and I loved it. And I was thankful that I had that 
guitar, that violin knowledge. And were they clever me. as well, or just big on puns, or? I don't know if they were. I th- I don't like my dad. My dad jokes. My, I mean, they both. They don't like. I remember my mom like would like we listened to like Carlin sometimes. Like that uh-huh. was. But I don't even remember listening to him that much. I just know that, like, maybe she would tell me Carlin jokes sometimes, like, Evil Knievel gets on the plane. I'm getting in the plane. You know, that I don't, I don't remember ever hearing Carlin do it, but I knew that was a joke. So when, when was your first show? When was your first performance? That I ever performed comedy? Ever performed, like, even if it was in middle school. Or oh, I mean, like, I played bathroom. violin performances, you know, like, violin recitals since childhood. Since and those were hilarious. Five, six, yeah, like Henny Youngman. Uh, I performed at Carnegie Hall once when I was a child. Wow. Like there was just a program that I was in that every five or ten years or something, the big final show that they had was at Carnegie Hall. So That's so impressive. Yeah. How so, do you get to Carnegie Hall? You know, just be born at the right year. That's my answer. So when did you start doing comedy? Uh, I don't know if I'm doing it yet, but hey, guys. All night long. So, well, yeah. actually, technically just <laughs> 45 minutes right now, but yeah. We'll see. But um, yeah, the, the podcast is, out, is a half hour, but I'm going to do it for 45 minutes. Yeah. I'm going to cram it in. Well, you're so interesting. I think we're going to extend to 45 minutes we'll if that's okay with you. No. Sure, yeah. No, now you I mean, should continue to stay I, as you are. I mean, I'll, we'll see that I do. Uh, that, we'll see what happens, and what happens is I'll do it. I like uh, that you're in the moment, though. I do really want to work on that. Like, oh, you want to be in my moment? No, I just wanted to be more in the moment. Oh, the, yeah. That is the one that there is, the moment. Professionally, I feel like you're, you're very... Um, good at doing what you're doing right now and enjoying what is and not having to prognosticate about what you should be doing. Oh, thank God. I've been worrying about whether that was true. <laughs> okay, so uh, go back. When, when when was your first comedic performance outside of this one? Uh, right. The This is my second one. And my first one was, I count, I performed at a comedy club in 1999 was my first. Where was that? It was the Comedy Studio in Harvard Square uh, in the Boston area. And you were going to Brandeis? Uh, uh, yes, I was a senior at Brandeis, and I was on that show. How many ways can you say you're Jewish? Uh, yeah, there's, I mean, all of, there's only one, really. We're all one Jew. No, I think uh, just saying you went to Brandeis is enough. Brandeis is only half Jewish. Do you know that? Wait, what's the other half? Uh, you Asian. Know. <laughs> uh, yeah, scared of Jews. I don't know. That doesn't make sense. Uh I was on, I did comedy. I went on right after Jonathan Katz of Dr. Katz. Fame. Is that right? Yeah, that was my very first time on a comedy stage. That is so exciting. He but still I, performs. He does. Uh, he, I believe he does. He has a podcast or m- multiple podcasts. He has, he's done some animations since as well. He's, uh, he's, yeah, he's doing a lot. And I don't know, the la- I've seen him do some live shows in the past few years, but I'm trying to remember exactly when. But, yeah. but yeah, he went, he went on right before me and he, did, he ended with a musical number. And then I was going on and I was playing music and I was like, man, the most famous person here just did what I'm doing. <laughs> That's- I mean, I've never done this before, but that seems bad. That's a little like Woody Allen. That's a little like in Annie Hall. Uh, when he doesn't want to go up after the political oh, community. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, but if he's getting laughs, how am I going to get laughs? Which and ultimately. I only reference one movie at all. That's fair. Well, that one movie. That's fair. Uh, it's a good one to do. If you, if you only see one movie in your life, not a bad one to make. Annie Hall is a good yeah. one. Uh, I like The Princess Bride. I love As You Wish. Yeah. I, I, I just thought of a really sad thing, though. We're you know, all going to die? Well, not just that. Oh. I mean, yes, that. I mean, that's not really sad. That's just what it is. See, that's you have a real sense of the presence. You're good. Uh, present, excuse me. You and see presence. The pre- and I presence. have a sense of presence when people you give You see to the me. presence as a gift. Oh, on our Soft Talk radio show. What was Mike this? Kaplan will be here helping you soothe your... <laughs> God, you you, gotta, you got something that makes you sad? I'll tell you we're going to die. <laughs> um, no, I was going to say that 
usually people think, oh, I hope that's not the last words I said, or can you uh, believe that's last? And then I thought about, wouldn't it be terrible if you saw some awful movie and that was like the last movie you saw? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, if you felt like you didn't live up to your potential just in general, I think that's the sad thing. That it's, would probably be more sad than if you like went out after Bride Wars. It's a marathon, not a sprint. It's not like, you know, you get to the 25th mile of a marathon and then you trip and fall and you're like, well, that ruined the whole thing. No, it didn't. You did it. No, you I'm, ran 25 miles. When I ran them, both times I ran the marathon, I was so excited. Congratulations. And I ran so slow and everyone would ask me my score. I was like, who cares? I had a Snickers bar during one. It was great. Wow. Wait, okay, I know. Thanks for sharing. So in college, it seems like you did really good right away. I mean, you were at, that's a, it's, I don't want to say prestigious, but it's certainly like a well-known. Here's, here's, it was number venue. like 31. Oh, uh, are you talking Brandeis? Or you're talking the comedy studio. Comedy studio. Okay, I thought we were talking about Brandeis. You're doing really well in college is what you just said. Uh, so I meant that com comedy wise. Uh, well, I'm just going to assume you did well academically. I did that. I, I did pretty well. Uh, I was about to say Brandeis was number like 31 or 32 in the U.S. But that's partly based on donors. Uh, I don't know. It's funny because I, I made a bet with a friend of mine. Like we were looking at the time and he was like, in 50 years, Brandeis is going to be in the top 10. And I was like, I don't think it will. That means that 10, the top 10 school, like the, it's not going to beat other places. And we made a bet. So in 2048, if Brandeis is not in the top 10, I win $50. That's exciting. So I hope that $50 are still a thing. It's kind of like when you get money back on your taxes. I feel like you have that to look forward to. 2048. I hope we're both still alive. I uh, just hope that your last movie isn't Bride Wars. But wait, so keep going. Right. Uh, so... I performed at the first place I performed was the comedy studio. I don't remember what days they were open that time, but it was like certainly not like a weekend night. It was like, you know, it wasn't a Sunday. Thursday from 11 to 2. No, it wasn't. It was like Sunday or it could have been Thursday, actually. But um, it was like it, they didn't have an open mic, but it was like I just called and they'd only been open a few years, I think, because they, they've been around maybe like 16 years now. So they've been open a few years. And like Eugene Merman was there doing I a lot of Eugene. stuff. He started out there. And Brendan Small of Metalocalypse and Home yes. Movies. Like those guys were like the two. And Patrick Borelli. Yes, he's uh, a friend of mine. So they all, like, I think they all like ran uh, Fridays on a show called P.S. Absurdo. And then, uh, and then they, you know, they went on to cool things like that's Home Movies. He sort of got discovered and started doing Home Movies Huge. there. Yeah. Uh, and then Eugene was doing his thing. And uh, everybody, they're all, they're all doing great. But, uh, so at the time that was going on, but it was just like, it was just, people were doing weird things there. And so the, the owner, Rick Jenkins, like I just yes, was, ca I was cold calling like, you know, clubs. I just looked up like club online and I'm like, in the like yellowpages.com probably. Cause I think it's pre Google. Uh, and I was like, uh, you have a club. Can I come play my music at your club? And like, cause his was a comedy club. Like Did I'd never, a pay phone? I'd never heard. Home yeah. Phone? Uh, no, I, uh, sent a carrier pigeon okay. with smoke signal. I burnt up a pigeon. <laughs> I'm so impressed that you just called the you cold called this club. I didn't know what else to do. I mean, great. there was a guy in my in my school uh, in my class who was a, a cellist in a band. He had like a it was a weird band called Betwixt, and actually he just came out to a show that I did in uh, the D.C. area and gave me some uh, new new albums of his music, but I've not yet listened to yet. And they're but, called Between. Uh, yeah, that's those are the two bands he's in. But uh, I mean, his cello the the cello band stuff was I saw I saw them years ago and they were amazing. It sounds um, so fun. And so he was a guy who like fusing genres. I was trying to find out like where can I perform music because that's what I wanted to do. And I'm like, you perform music, and he gave me like a number like a list of places that he'd perform. But his band was like established, and I was like, can I play there? And they were like, no. Or like, how many people can you draw? And I was like, you mean like on paper? <laughs> uh, I used to draw a lot. Why are you slamming a door? It's the phone call. Um, it was the carrier pigeon. Yeah. Why do not we, potty? Give drained. me my bird back. 
Uh, House trained, excuse me. Not a problem. But uh, yeah, so I I didn't have much luck with most of the music venues. Like I found some sort of open mic type places, but the comedy studio was like one of the first places that I was just like, I play funny songs. Can I come play them in your building? And he was like, sure, you can have five, seven minutes. And I was like, five, or, awesome. five or seven minutes at the time. Like, because music venues would give you like more time sometimes. They'd be like 10, 20 minutes sometimes. Yeah, so but I was that's... like, I mean, which makes sense. You shouldn't get 20 minutes at a comedy club your first time there. But I didn't know that. So I was just like, I guess I can come play two short songs. And I came and I did it. And, and it went pretty well. Uh, and th- that's what I did every like. And did you enjoy it? Were you like, this is who I want to be? Or did it take a little time? Uh, I definitely enjoyed it, but I didn't know that like I should start going more often. Like I, that was the only place that I knew. So I would just like email the guy and he would like put me on maybe once every maybe two months. Okay. Right. Like, and I would just bring a bunch of friends and it would be really fun. And so like to him, I wasn't taking it seriously because there were some comedians that were like getting up every night yes. at different places, like, you know, that, that I, I know now. But at the time I was just like, this was fun. I want to do it again. Let me let me hear every night. Like I would go and hang out there, but he would just wouldn't put me on most nights because I just, you know, didn't I wasn't being a comedian. I was just sort of this musical hobbyist. Well, and you're breaking in and you just I mean genuinely didn't know. Like I remember discovering oh. Time Out New York and that was a way to learn that there are all these shows to oh. go to in New York to check out that you can perform at. I literally had no idea that there were other places to but then right. yeah, then so like it was like 2 years I don't count that I started comedy until like 2002. Mm-hmm. So essentially about two years after. Do you have a specific date or hour? I don't remember. Right. A date or hour. Right. <laughs> it was probably like eight something. <laughs> That's my guess. Just give us something. Eight, that seems it was factual. PM. I'll give you it was, it was post-Meridian is when I started my comedy career. But I found like so. Be- what about then yeah. to you equals starting your comedy career? Well, just the fact that in I think spring of 2002, was, I'd been like, you know, performing with the guitar and I like playing mostly songs, but then in between the songs, I would like, I started writing jokes a little bit and or, and or riffing, you know, like I was like, ah, oh, this is fun to make people laugh in between songs. Like I thought of it as like, I would to keep talking until they stopped laughing and then I would play another song. Uh, and then I was like, I wonder if I could do it like without the guitar. And so like my goal was to, you know, get rid of the guitar and not need it. Oh, interesting. But so I so I eventually was like, if I had five minutes at an open mic, I guess when I, when I considered starting my comedy career, I considered the fact that I learned that there were other comedy venues. And I was like, oh, because mostly I was just going to music venues and the comedy studio. But then I was like, oh, I could go to The Vault or The Emerald Isle or uh, eventually Sally O'Brien's and these other, like The Middle East's open mic. And, oh, I remember The Middle East. And uh, yeah, the, the Green Dragon and... You don't have to keep naming. We got The Great plenty. and Secret Show. No, we got the picture. Uh, no, look, I'll keep naming. Look, guys, <laughs> listen, listen. I like naming things. But you still do musical comedy, right? Uh, I mean, I do it again with, with my friend Micah. Micah Sherman, yes. And you guys have a new album out. We do. Please Be Seated. And I'll tell you the name of it. It's Please Be Seated. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I feel like I get in trouble a lot because I like puns a lot. Sure. Do you get yelled at for it? I get yelled at all the time, yeah. I mean, it's mostly like typing in caps, but... People are typing in caps. Stop doing that. People call me caps. K-A-P-S. That's my name. I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't the only person who had sort of secret fantasies of going to an old age home every day around noon during lunch. Mm-hmm. I was uh, well, I was just on Jimmy Pardo's podcast, and I believe the title of the, the episode was called Self-Hating Puns. Is that, oh, tell me some self-hating puns. Oh, I don't remember. The, I mean, it was just any time I said something. Like, I can't tell you those. Uh, I, I'll tell you the first two jokes that I ever wrote that I remember from like before. Pre, this is from before I did comedy. Here are the two jokes that I wrote when I was a musician. 2001 around 4.30 p.m. Exactly. 
uh, I would tell these on stage. I would say, I used to work at a bread factory. I was in charge of the wheat, but one time I screwed up and everything went awry. That was one joke. Awry is. The... No, I got it. Okay, great. I just didn't uh, need to pander. Awry. Uh, the other one was about how I heard that Philadelphia. Like the original name of it was actually Liberty Bell Town, but that did not have the right ring to it. So uh, the right ring to it. No, I got and, it. Yeah, I, I understand. It. I understand. I know. Look, I get that you get it. But our other audience, just so you know, the other demo is four-year-olds. I understand. Uh, yeah, those would be great. I have written a kid's joke book with a friend of mine. Is that right? Andrea Henry and I, uh, she's a comic from Boston as well. And she was like, you want to write, let's write kid's jokes together. And we just wrote a ton of them. And then What's it called? Uh, real something like real jokes for real. Ki- I don't know the name of my book. For real kids. Yeah, some, something like that. I think it is. <laughs> this book is not safe for inanimate children. No, <laughs> if you're a fictional child, then not for you. I'm glad you didn't say foe. So Montreal was that your big breakup? Like, what do you consider your big breakup? Because you really have um, succeeded since the beginning. Uh, well, no. In the beginning, I was not succeeding. I was getting. I don't know, mean when you were an infant. Yeah, but, but no, even. Once I've started performing at the comedy studio mm-hmm. uh, every two months uh, and being disappointed that it was not more frequently, yeah. Then I st- when I started going out to open mics and like being like, oh, I can go and do comedy right. more regularly. Starting in two thousand two, there was definitely a few years where I, you know, I think I didn't make any money for at least two. I think I got paid the first time in two thousand four. When was that? I think it was April, and it was myself and a woman named Melissa Hunt. Okay. Melissa M A L I S S A. She might have a different last name now. I think she's married. Uh, and I don't. I, I I believe that she took her husband's name, but I actually have no idea. Maybe she didn't. Um, I appreciate you abstaining. We've lost touch, but I think we I think we talked on Facebook recently. I'll check. Facebook uh, is definitely the name of that. It didn't take any. Also, you name. didn't talk on Facebook. Uh, no, I talked. I talked into. I just want to uh, make sure that our audience can trust us. Yep. Uh, I used words on Facebook. So wait, okay, so so you got paid for the first time in 2004. Yep, we, I think we, we did this like, it was a, sort of an, I think it was an Asian organization did a fundraiser. Melissa was Asian, I wasn't. Um, and yeah, I got, I think, $75 to do like 20 minutes of comedy. Awesome. Which was probably all the comedy that I had or maybe more. That's a legitimate spot. Uh, yeah, that was real. And then I don't think I got paid again. That was like, that was October of 2004, maybe. Okay. Maybe it was 2003. It could have been. Maybe it was. Two, maybe it was 2003. So it was like a little over a year in. I got paid once, and then six months later, in April of 2004, I got paid again. How much this time? Probably like fifty dollars. These are great. Yeah. So it's going down, and I got less and less every time. Then I got twenty five, and but then, more often. Yeah, but way more often. It's like the it adds up. Uh, and then I started working at Dick Doherty's Beantown Comedy Vault, where I go and I, I headline there now. But I would originally just do their their bringer open mic. You had to bring two people. I think bringers are really unethical. So I, I think just to describe to an audience, like a bringer show means that you have to have between five, seven, eight, ten, twenty people. That's New York bringers, which, which is crazy. I mean, it's Caroline's, they're, they're they all have like that. Them bring twenty people, and then people will tell me like. Oh, my friend Michael is a big comic. He performed at Caroline's Comedy Club, and it's because he did one of these bringers. It shows. is that that can be like uh, that is not necessary. If you think you're going, yeah, there are different kinds of shows that happen at Caroline's. Do you think those are a good thing to do, the bringers? Though I don't think it's necessary to do them. I okay. think sometimes here's the thing. I've done, I did a few of them. The one in Boston at the at this place, the Vault, was a two person bringer. You had to bring two friends. To watch you to take out my contacts. I know that this is a podcast. No, that's fine. But th- it's getting very dry. Podcast and contact. So people can visualize this. Uh, so 
I, I would go and I would bring a couple friends. And then I remember the first time that I couldn't bring anybody anymore, though the booker still let me go on. And then they were like, if you can't bring people anymore, you should work the door like on like a Saturday night or a Friday night. And then you'd get a spot on that show. And then you'd also get a free spot on the bringer show. So it was like you could work your way up through the system so that you didn't need to bring people eventually. And so that's what I did. And eventually I became like I guest spots at their clubs and then uh, like which meant that you worked and I got to be in front of audiences but didn't get paid. And then yeah, but I would, those are legitimate spots. They are. Yeah, that's I mean, that's a part of it. Like you would get a five minute spot at the beginning of the show. And you'd be happy for it because you were in front of an audience. And did you tour it all around uh, New England? I uh, went. You sort of. I mean, there's so many things that are within a, a you know an evening's drive in New England. Like mm-hmm. you know, I lived in Boston, uh, and I could. I, some nights I would drive an hour south to Providence. Some nights you'd drive an hour or two north to Portland, Maine. You could drive you know an hour to Manchester, New Hampshire, down to Connecticut to for various hours. You know, like the the whole. But range. you would always get home from there. Yeah, you would. Uh, it's a little bit like being a stand-up in England because they can almost always drive home. There was one place that uh, Dick Doherty also, uh, he had a place in New Hampshire that was like three hours away. So that one came with a hotel room and it was pretty nice. So that would happen sometimes. And now you tour as a living. Frequently, yes. How frequently? Uh, I feel like I'm this month, uh, October, I'm going up to Boston for one weekend. Uh, so I'm performing for a Friday and Saturday night. The following week, I'll be Thursday to Saturday in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, the oh. following week, I'll be in New York at Caroline's. It's exciting. Uh, it's a 400-person bringer. and uh, That's exciting. You're headlining Caroline's? No, I'm actually working with uh, Chris D'Elia. Who... I think it'd be, sorry. I, I think it would have been even more embarrassing if you're like, no, I'm just working the door. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, working my way sorry, up. Sorry, sorry. I actually am headlining Caroline's this Thursday. It's uh, exciting. Is that tomorrow? Tomorrow. By the time you're listening to this, it's happened already. Yeah. But then I'm just working with, again. with Chris D'Elia, who's a, a good friend of mine who's on uh, Whitney. We did. We went to the Montreal Juste Pour You uh, in 2009. We were new faces together, and now his face is all over NBC. Did things change for you from doing at doing Montreal Comedy Festival? Did uh, yes. I mean, well, things change gradually, no matter. what. Let me also just go back for a second, be in the moment, or correct the moment. I said Chris D'Elia and I are good friends, and uh, we have not. We've hung out in the same place many times. We are friends. I wanna. I don't wanna. I don't want him to listen to this and be like, "Hey, you think we're good friends? We're not good friends." I mean. He's good, and we're friends. We're, we're both good people and friends. Okay, so, so go back, going back to reality. That's all. Um, back to normalcy. No, um, there's nothing normal. We just started this. following each other on Twitter. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Th- oh, that's where your level of friendship is. That's where our friendship is. is. Um, it's no you and me, but it, it isn't, it's close. But it is close. Um, we follow each other on MySpace and Friendster. And life. And we just life. chase each other. I feel like that's a much deeper bond. Um, in all sincerity, so – Going to Montreal, what happens from there? Because it's a very exciting, and that festival used to be a huge deal for stand-ups. Uh, yes. It it used to be, I think there was an age where people would go and hope to get a development deal, which could still happen, but that happens more infrequently now than in the past. You're developing nicely. Now, did you... Appreciate it. You're welcome. Did, did, you, did anything come out of that, or did you already have your agents and managers? I did not have an agent when I went, but I did, I just started working with a manager, like a little before Montreal. I had had one manager prior to that, uh, and we'd broken up. And then I met this other manager at the Alternative Comedy Festival in Boston, where I was, Micah and I actually, Micah Sherman and I were hosting a little bit. Uh, Like we would, we played a song at the beginning of each show. And then 
uh, would bring up, it was like, I think, I forget what we did a couple of years. It was like Emo Phillips and Janine oh, wow. Raffalo and oh, Pat wow. Oswalt and Todd Barry and Eugene. All up and comers. Uh, yeah. Fabulous comedians. And so my manager currently is also Janine Garofalo's manager. So he was there with her and saw me do some stand up on the show. What does your manager do for you? How does that help? Uh, it's a great question. I'm not sure. But uh, he he definitely, like, they help coordinate things. Like, you know, I sent an email to him today with, like, eight questions. I'm like, here are the things that are sort of outstanding. I'm like, I haven't heard back from this person about this opportunity that was supposed to happen. Like, this new CD that I recorded, like, we need to get these, uh, we need to get, like, the things to listen to it and tell the people. Like, he's like, sort of like... Definitely like a go-between. I'm like, if I'm like, here's a, a book idea that I have. Like he, he helps, you know, like contact the lit agents or the publishers, like all things that like, if I'm like, is it annoying for me to, I'm like the people for this TV show who booked that, like I, they said that they wanted me to do it, but uh, now they haven't said anything for a little while. Do I write to them? Do you write to them? Like who says what to you, you know, it's, uh, I think he helped me submit my half hour to Comedy Central the and year that did, I got it. You did um, Comedy Central Presents? I did. That's very, very exciting. I was excited. And also Conan. Uh, yeah, I did. I think here's the... I and got. Uh, I've not done Fallon. I did... Not yet. No, not yet. Exactly. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, who knows. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I did Live at Gotham was the first television program I appeared on. Congrats. Uh, I appreciate it. And then that was in 2008. And then 2009, it was exciting because I started... That was when... That was when things like really started rolling. Like, I mean, 2005 when I was the funniest student at BU was pretty good. In yeah. 2006, I went to the Seattle Comedy Competition. And then around Seattle, uh, around 2006, 7, 8, I did the Boston Comedy Festival a couple times. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did all these festivals. And then I think 2009 is the a year that I won several festivals and competitions in like New York and Montreal. Uh, that one, I went there. That one was one, not something that I won I don't per think se. There is a winner, winner. No, it's not a winner situation. But no. winner, that is, we're all winners. That is the same Anyone year that goes yeah. to Montreal is a winner. That's the year that I, I started. I started. I recorded my CD. It's the year that I met my manager and started working with him. Hmm. That I went to Montreal. I also was. That's when uh, the Booker of the Conan's Tonight Show uh, emailed me in like I think I started working with my manager in June. Or I'm working with them in May, and I got this email in June that was like, "Hey, we would like you to be on the Tonight Show if wow. you if you send us a tape, and we like it. But I but we know who you are and like you, and would like you to do it. That's fantastic. And so that was something that then I think whether I had the manager or not, I would have gotten that email. But then my manager helped sort of you know coordinate and set it up, and eventually that happened like later that year, December, and then 2010 is when I did Last Comic Standing, which was that was definitely the most tangible, like gr uh, non gradual leap in career level and what what about it you get exposed to so many people from yes, there that's all like i mean i think inappropriately uh yeah exposed myself many to many people and they remembered it i just want um, to say that i can pun with the best of them you got it you got it. You, anybody can with the best if you just go near the best and then pun at them <laughs> or whatever the case may be i'm trying to say real things no in, in, a, in millions of people watch that yeah. every every night that it was on it was you know primetime television primetime nbc Got it. And it's the prime time aspect because, of course, you've been on The Tonight Show, which is so prestigious. Uh, yeah, that it was definitely – Kind of got in in a great time too, I would say. Oh, yeah. Conan it was, was there. It was super. I was excited to do it. And then like the next month they found out that it was not going to be happening anymore. So I felt real good about it. Um, and I love Conan. It was He's a lot of fun. He's wonderful. So Last Comic Standing. Who people, were the judges then? Andy Kindler. Greg like Giraldo this was the best year. and Natasha Legero. You must be so sad. Yeah, uh, I am really sad that I did it the best year. You're talking no, about no. I was sad about, about Greg the loss passing. Of, yeah, yeah, and Mike D. 
They're both yes. uh, amazing humans and comedians. Unbelievable. Greg was so good to me when I started comedy. That's great. He was, yeah, I mean, I worked with him a few times and and loved him. Uh, and Mike D as well. Like, I just got to know him doing the show, and he is amazing. He the was, year that you did it was such a turnaround in that show because then that show got interesting because I think the judges were so funny that as a comedian, I took the show seriously for the first time because they were really thoughtful and they would joke about when they knew someone was legitimately good and deserved to go on but couldn't kind of thing. Sure. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, couldn't for like TV reasons. They weren't out to, you know, make anyone look foolish. They were like, we're here to, you know, if they're like, if comedy has to be judged, like, I guess we'll absolutely, we'll do it, but we're not going to like be mean to anybody. We're just going to say what we think. Like, I like you. They're going to be like, here's the people that I like. And then, Like, I mean, of all the, the, the 40-ish semifinalists that they picked, like, any number of that, like, they were amazing, amazing comedians. And do you ever get lonely on the road? Uh, I don't, I try not to go on the road, like, for long stretches. Okay. What, meaning what? Like, what equals a long stretch? Uh, I mean, if I'm gone, I don't, I try not to go out for more than two weeks at a time. Okay. But even that, that's a lot. Like, I was in Winnipeg, Canada for like a week and a half from like a Thursday wow. through a Sunday, the following Sunday. So like, you know, 11 days or so. And that was like, part, part of it was that I was in in Canada and like my phone, I didn't, I think my phone plan, I switched it to a Canada plan, but I'd only had a limited amount of minutes. So I couldn't I really. you going to say that you like, so you stayed in Canada because you'd switch phone plans. Yeah, I just lived in reasonable. Canada for a while uh, because of that. No, it was just that I, I didn't have, you know, f- the full unlimited minutes and unlimited data. So it was... Like, I was just sort of more isolated, I felt. Like, I could email people uh, f- like from my where I was staying at the condo that they put me at. But, but is that the way you make most of your money, is, is touring? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think that is the way I make most of my money. What are the, what are the other ways? Because it's amazing. There are very few people who make their living primarily from stand-up, and you're one of them. Hmm, that's nice of you to say. And uh, True. Oh, that's, uh, I haven't done the research, but I appreciate it. I've done several studies. Mm-hmm. No, there there is a very small number of people. If comparative to, you could be the ten thousandth best lawyer hmm. and still have a riveting career. That's fair. genuinely that's fair. That's okay. not true. In I guess com- compared to other other careers, I yeah. understand what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I also, I mean, I sell like CDs. Uh, my my album is on, you know, like XM and Sirius and Spotify and things, and so you get that. Just you sort do of, get paid every time they replay on those. You do. So every like quarter or you know three to six months. Should I tell you some sad news? What's that? This is going to be on rebroadcast. This is, will be rebroadcast on Sirius XM. Really? That's great news. Oh, do you get money for that? No. Uh, it seems too bad. Yeah. You should get some money. How much exactly should I be? I am for? uncertain about that. Are you uncertain now because before you mentioned that you're getting money from Sirius and you don't want to blow that? Uh, I mean, are they going to listen to this? And no. No. Okay. Good. Then no, I actually am uncertain as to how much you should get. It's all there's some formula. That was a smart diplomatic response. Would your manager know? Uh, for the CD stuff, I I have, like, there's some lawyers that are involved in some, some, somebody knows. Somebody, somebody. knows. Okay, good. I'm sure. So, I mean, I get checks, so somebody figures out how That's much so they're for. Cool. From Sirius or from Spotify or from It comes from a group, NPR. I think Sound Exchange is where something comes from. And they're like, this, I think they just keep track of everything. Okay. That's so neat. It's just interesting to learn because, you know, you never know when you hear any music in general now, it's hard to know how musicians oh, yeah. you get, get paid mo- you get money for spotify not a ton per play but okay. you know some it's 
it's a better model than just when it's stolen and nothing happens. Do you uh, think you would release the next one on your website versus going through, you know, Comedy Central Records or nope. another record company? Uh, the, the next, the plan for the next one is Comedy Central Records. Awesome. Okay. Uh, which I'm excited to do because uh, my last one, I mean, I I like the company that put out my last, my first stand-up album and then the music one that I just put out. Yeah. Uh, Be Seen Media. They're great. The guy, like this guy, Jason, who's in charge there is uh, is super. He knows what he's doing and I, I had great experiences with him. But I also, you know, like sort of didn't grow up watching Comedy Central, but I knew it was a thing. You know what I mean? Like it, it was like a big thing. And so to get to be uh, under their label like, is uh, meaningful to me. So. Um, my eyes are getting so dry from being in the sound booth. Sorry that happened to you. Thank you for having so much empathy. Now, that is one thing that I, I have to say is also remarkable about you, one of the many things, but that you do have empathy for other people, even though you've had so much success in your young life. Uh, I guess I've had so many, so many periods of not success as well, of, you know, both professional and personal. That's like, I don't think that I am entitled to any like I feel I feel fortunate you know what I mean like yeah. uh, I think that I mean I certainly you know some aspects of success are right place right time you know like you can't control everything like nobody you like know, my contacts we couldn't control that that was going to happen not at all or like uh you know when people think of themselves as like self-made like certainly I'm not I'm not taking away I'm not saying that they didn't do anything like certainly you know self motivation uh, is good and can achieve things. But, you know, if you're born in the wrong time or the wrong place, like you might not have food and that will be out of your control and you'll die as a baby. You know, like that happens to people. They can't make themselves. This is very sad. Oh, yeah. Sorry that happened. But we'll all be dead eventually. So okay. I feel really silly about complaining about my contacts. Yeah. I just couldn't tell. Some babies can't even afford contacts. They couldn't uh, at all. Yeah. Um, that is terrible. Now, do you write every day? I don't sit down to write nearly at all. Do you stand and write every day? I stand a lot, yes. Um, I carry a digital recorder all the time. Uh -huh. Most of the, my process is normally if I think, like I'll, I'll listen back to my sets from the previous night or nights uh, most most days, if not every day, every other, every couple days. I think that's the most, that, that to me that is one of the biggest signals that you really are a serious comedian. Um, seriously funny, um, that you will listen to yourself on tape because it's one of the hardest things to do. I mean, it's such a necessary thing. Not just thing. you personally. Oh, yeah. I can listen it's to you. It's hard to listen to me. I know. Uh, it's, to oneself. It is. I've never never thought about it like that. Like, that definitely, if I'm doing like an – if I'm headlining a club, I won't necessarily listen to the whole hour. If I'm like – if I start a joke, I'm like, I know how I did that joke last night. I don't have to – see it but if i'm like oh this one i added something new or i said something different or it got a different reaction than normal like i you know i'll listen kind of like scientifically or uh detective wise uh detectively that's not a thing um to you know for improvements to like if i if i riffed or like you know came up with something good yeah. that i hadn't thought before then i'm then i'm excited to listen to it. i'm like oh yeah that was good let me <laughs> let's try to incorporate that and then Writing, you know, or more thinking and building will come off of that. Like I'll, if while I'm, I usually do it while walking. Like I'll try to ideally outside, or if it's not nice, on a treadmill. Uh, that like I just like walking and thinking and listening to my comedy, yeah. and then it sort of gets the juices flowing. And then, uh, so that right, that kind of writing happens most days. But then it, I normally just record the ideas back into the digital recorder, and then every six months or so, I would say. 
uh, or every week I'll like transfer the digital recorder stuff into a physical notebook that I'll write into with a pen and such. And then every six months I'll transfer the stuff from the notebook into my computer, which will. Are you as copious in other parts of your life? Like are your taxes all paid early? It sounds like you're very organized. I have all my receipts like in a bag ready to go. And I'd actually. But I, not highlighted? No. Huh. I mean, do I, what do you have to highlight them for? No, I don't. But you just strike me as so organized that I can imagine you highlighting your receipts. No, I'm like I have. I, I know I'll get to them, but uh, no highlights. Okay. But so in terms of your stand up and writing, you are very organized and fastidious about it. I guess I, I, I would say so. Do women ever fear uh, dating you because they're scared you'll talk about them on stage? I don't think that they need to fear, and I don't think many people have. There was a there was a girl that I dated recently who was, let me tell you all about her. She was real private. Her name. And, yeah. <laughs> her address. If you want to send her a letter and say, why are you like that? Don't be scared of strangers. I am one. Like, she would just, if we had, a, you know, something happen where I was like, this is funny. Like, I would want her, her blessing or her permission, you know, to, huh. because- it's not just yourself, you know, it's it's somebody else's, like, she's not choosing to be in the public Absolutely. spotlight. Uh, like my current girlfriend, there's certain things that, you know. Scarlett I, Johansson, yeah, go on. That I will not reveal just because I don't want, you know, it, especially if she's there because she comes to shows sometimes. I'm not going to be like, and my girlfriend who, like, looks like this and her name is this and, you know, like – but there's there's funny things. She's a big fan of comedy and a fan of me. So like if that's something good, happens, because she's your girlfriend, I think that's a good. It is. It hasn't step always been that right way. Direction. But uh, that's not true. yeah, she is no, that it's, true? It is true. Yeah, I've dated people who like I was not their cup of tea. How long did those dates last? Uh, I mean, well, one was before I was a comedian, but I was still like she didn't like think I was funny at all, that's and she didn't like my music, and I was trying to do oh, music. That's the worst. And we dated for a year because she was pretty, oh. um, and I was stupid. That was the main thing. I was dumb. Uh, but it was a good learning experience that when somebody's even she was nice too, like most of the time, uh, like she she was pretty and nice and liked me. That was like those that were my so criteria. Sad. Oh yeah, that was pretty sad. I mean, she was she was the only one. Like it was all downhill from there, uphill. It was all better from there. Great. And that was I was twenty one, twenty two. And now you date like a couple of people at a time sometimes. Uh yeah, I mean I have one right now, a girlfriend who is you know the person who I care about and love and uh, focus most of the attention on, but I also, we are free to act on other attractions should we see them. Is that called polyamorous? Uh, I think some people, call, it's definitely compatible with that term. I don't I don't use that term specifically, but- What uh, term do you use? It's non-monogamous. Okay. What's what's polyamorously perverse? Because isn't, isn't it just all perverse? Uh, oh, I don't know where perverse came from. I don't think any, I mean- I think it came from this Annie Hall. I think that's where I heard it. Okay. I mean... I don't know if it originated there. I don't know. I think Woody Allen wrote his own jokes. That could be. Statistically speaking, I mean, most, pe- many, most people in this country do try for monogamy, but statistically speaking, like, over the course of a lifetime, most fail if that's what they're trying to do. So I'm just about, uh, I think, acknowledging, you know... That it's a challenge. The limitations and being like, you know, number one... I'm not running out, you know, every night and trying to find all the tail that I can, which uh, obviously saying it like that would definitely hey, tail resu- here. Result come, in, come here, tail. Yeah. <laughs> it would definitely result in, in numerous intelligent women. Man seeking tail on Craigslist uh, must be, you know, taily. Um, take a tail, taily. So the tell tail, taily. Um, yeah. Uh, essentially, what was the question? I think I think the question's been answered. Yes, you Super. are you are open to dating other women, but you have someone who you love dearly. 
Yes. Oh, and the, I was going to say the fact that. Did I just bump up the relationship? I always do that. I'll no, like, no. I have I, a wife. I love her dearly. It is true. Uh, and the fact that we are both, you know, on board with this possibility is the, it's often it's enough to not need to do it. Like, you know, like. Yeah. When, cause sometimes you get into like a grass is greener type situation where if you're in a monogamous relationship and you meet somebody and you flirt with somebody, you're like, oh man, I wonder what that would be like. I'll never know. And then that builds it up in your head more than it even would be. Totally. Like, whereas if you are allowed to do something with them, you can then be like, well, I don't have to. I just, knowing that you could is sometimes enough. That's exactly how I feel with Mr. Darcy. Mm-hmm. Jane Austen reference? I don't know. It went under is. your head? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one hit me in the chest. <laughs> Um, this has been such a pleasure to have you on, Mike Kaplan, and I want to make sure that we have you on a, again and again and again in the future. But um, people can go to your website. They can. To see more of you. Mike Kaplan, M-Y-Q-K-A-P-L-A-N dot C-O-M. And that's where they can get all the nude photos they'd like. I will. You can. I get lots of exposure there. Okay, good. Um, thank you so, so much. And congratulations on winning the Employee of the Month Award. Oh, thank you for giving it to me. You're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Also for me. And and thank you to Mike Kaplan. You're welcome. Thank you. Why are we whispering? Because it's sweet. Okay. Good night, everybody. Are we still recording? Are we still recording? Okay. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can go to employeeofthemonthshow.com and that will take you to SoundCloud where you can download individual episodes or you can subscribe to the entire series for free on iTunes. Highly recommended. I want to give a very special thanks to Todd Rosenberg, Ian Mazoff, Damian Strange, and UCB Theater for making this possible and most especially to you listening. I really, really appreciate it. Um, That's it. Thanks so much. Okay, have a wonderful day. Eat lots of vegetables and make sure to get some exercise for both of us. Okay, bye.